Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 49, and I'm drinking Crown Royal. For each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Crown Royal on this episode because I was trying to figure out what spirit to feature this week, and my wife suggested it. She said, have you done Crown Royal yet? Have not? So, here we go. I have a standard 750 milliliter bottle of Crown Royal Deluxe, the original blended Canadian whiskey. It is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof, and it retails for about $25. Of course, the thing most everybody knows about Crown Royal is famously it's sold in a purple bag, and the purple bag is contained within a beautiful purple box. Within both is the squat little bottle. The bottle itself is clear glass, it's wider at the shoulder than anywhere else, and it's molded in details reminiscent of the red crown that's featured on the front label. The bottle is capped with a gold plastic cap that again plays off of the crown motif, and the words Crown Royal are in a distinctive script uh, below the aforementioned red crown, which is also presented on a purple tasseled pillow. There's a lot of royal symbology here, and I'll get into that. But first, let's drink. Okay, I've already taken the bottle out of the box and the bag, so I am going to get the shrink wrap plastic off of here. I'm just going to twist it open, see if that, hey, there we go. Comes right off. For all spirits on Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, I taste them neat, and I'm using a clean Glen carrying glass. It's a whiskey glass, so let's go for a pour. There we go. And neat is simply room temperature right out of the bottle. No dilution, no ice, just uh, the spirit in a glass. So in the glass, it's got a beautiful amber golden color. It's slightly reddish. It looks like whiskey. It's a classic whiskey color on the nose. It's sweet. It smells light. Uh, let me give it another go. Catch some warmth from the ethanol, but underlying there's some citrusy caramel, a little woodiness. It's obviously aged in oak because it is an aged whiskey. So there's a little woodiness, sweet, light-bodied. There's nothing that really punches you in the face. And now for the best part, let's try it on the palate. So go for a taste. Mmm. It's quite sweet and there's a caramelness, some vanilla, maybe um, almost like a sweet tea. It's whiskey. It tastes like whiskey. Again, I've said this on a number of other episodes. Oftentimes, if you're tasting whiskey, it's going to taste like whiskey and that's a, a good descriptor. There's variance in what whiskey tastes like, but it's a good way to kind of set the stage. Obviously, a blended whiskey, this is going to taste much like whiskey. It is very easy drinking, I will say. I'm going to go for another, another little taste. Yeah, on that second taste, I get more of the the oakiness, almost like a crisp apple underlying it. Again, it this is just the deluxe, so it's not a flavored whiskey. It's just simply the blended whiskey. Crown Royal does make an apple. This is not that. It's simply the standard deluxe Crown Royal. 
Okay, so let's jump straight into the history. The basics of the Crown Royal story are printed right on the box and back label of the bottle itself. And there's a little more of the story on the Crown Royal website itself. And so I'll recount that before I give you a little more additional detail that's worthy of note. And this aligns with my well-researched promise to you, my listener. So the Crown Royal website reads, In 1939, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth made history when they became the first reigning monarchs to visit Canada, arriving by boat and traveling the vast North American distance by train. Upon hearing the historic news, a Canadian spirits entrepreneur set out to craft a whiskey suited for the royal couple, an exceptionally generous gift fit for royalty. With perfection on his mind, he meticulously trialed more than 600 blends before outfitting the final product in a cut glass decanter and regal purple bag with gold stitching. The whiskey he presented to the king and queen was an exquisitely smooth blend of roughly 50 whiskeys, which became known, fittingly, as Crown Royal. The train carrying the monarchs was stocked with 10 cases of the royal blend, and rumors of the unrivaled whiskey fit for a king quickly spread. Crown Royal was released in the United States in the 1960s and has since become the top-selling Canadian whiskey. To this day, every drop of Crown Royal is crafted to meet the same uncompromising standards, making it, to many discerning palates, the finest whiskey of all. So there you have it, the official story uh, from Crown Royal itself. I guess I'm done. My work is done here. We'll just jump straight into how it's made. Now, uh, I, I kid, honestly, because there is more to the story, and the lesser-known details of Crown Royal's history are intriguing. That Canadian spirits entrepreneur mentioned in the official story? That was a man named Samuel Bronfman. Crown Royal was originally created by Seagram's, a company that traced its roots to 1857 with a founding in Ontario, Canada by Joseph Seagram. But in 1928, Seagram's was acquired by Distillers Corporation. The merged company retained the Seagram's name, but the family was out, and the company was then run by a man named Samuel Bronfman. The thing about Bronfman was he was likely supplying distilled spirits to the U.S. during Prohibition. In fact, after Prohibition, Seagram's famously had to pay $1.5 million fine to the U.S. government to settle delinquent excise taxes on liquor illegally imported to the U.S. during Prohibition. The U.S. government had asked for $60 million, but uh, Bronfman seemed to have made a good deal. But being a Canadian company, Prohibition hadn't necessarily dampened production. So when it ended in the United States, Seagram's had product to sell. And in 1934, the company launched their first whiskey with a crown. This was Seagram's Seven Crown, or more commonly known as Seagram Seven. I featured this spirit in episode seven of the podcast, and go back and listen to that if you haven't heard the full story. But Seagram's Seven Crown predates Crown Royal by five years. Seagram 7 is also decidedly American. It always has been, and it was launched right after Prohibition for the U.S. market. It's made in America, always was. There are two theories for the inspiration for the crown on the Crown Royal bottle and that on Seagram 7 crown. The first theory is that the crowns are thought to be modeled after the same real royal British crown, St. Edward's crown, which was made in 1661. This crown of the British Empire is used on the coat of arms and in other symbology. It weighs 4.9 pounds and is made from 22 karat gold set with 444 precious and semi-precious stones. 
The purple velvet cap is below the Baroque-style arches, and the brim is trimmed with ermine. As an aside, ermine is perhaps the most interesting royal regalia detail I know of. In my youth, I recall cartoons where every king wears a robe trimmed with white fur with black dots on it. Modern royal depictions have this detail as well. As a kid, I wondered about it, but it's such a consistent trope, most people simply accept it for what it is. I've seen some costume pieces that feature trimmed black feathers for the black tips, but ermine itself is actually fur. And the lining of cloaks would feature this exquisite fur. There's the small strip around St. Edward's crown. The pattern is created by harvesting the fur of a member of the weasel family named a stoat that's vicious yet very cute. They're small, but they hunt and kill rabbits larger than themselves. The stoat has brown fur in summer, but in the winter the coat turns pure white with just the tip of their little stubby tail remaining black. It is this winter coat that is prized for royal garment lining, leaving the tip of the stoat's tail as the black tips on the fur. So now you may never look at a cartoon king's robes the same way. Anyway, an aside, as I said. So back to the whiskey and the crown. So Seagram's Seven Crown launched in 1934 for the thirsty post-prohibition U.S. market. But then in 1939, when Sam Bronfman learned of the royal visit to Canada, it seemed that he had a ready template for a Canadian crowned whiskey. And Crown Royal amps up the royal tie-ins much more deliberately than Seagram Seven. For one, the use of purple is key. Purple historically is a regal or royal color. Purple had its association with royalty because historically it was much rarer in nature and thus harder for a purple dye to be created. It took a fair amount of skill and, and resources, so a purple fabric would then be expensive and usually out of the reach of the common man. And while Crown Royal bottles now are molded glass and the impression of the crown is on it, it is said that the original ones were cut glass, and this cut glass would mimic the quilted nature of the crown. The quilting, I guess, would simply refer to the velvet cap under the arches on a crown, and so I guess quilted works. But cut glass to this day is a luxury item, even with modern technology. But evoking this look in 1939 helped class up the glass decanter as the original bottles were referred to. So now for the second theory of inspiration for the crown on the bottle. The connection and inspiration for the crown presented on a pillow and the purple bag that the bottle is sold in, you need to look to Bronfman's personal Jewish faith. The crown royal symbol and iconic purple bag look a lot like a Jewish Keter Makult, and I'm, I apologize, I am likely mispronouncing what I believe to be Yiddish, but it translates to the crown of sovereignty, and then a Talit prayer shawl bag. And this is a uh, ceremonial religious garment. It's a shawl, but they often come in a bag. And some symbology on these and referencing this crown of sovereignty looks a heck of a lot like crown royal. And so the, the sense that you would have a crown on a pillow and a bag, it really, maybe it was an unconscious connection that Sam Bronfman came up with, or maybe it was more deliberate inspiration. But regardless, it's hard to argue that an elegant glass decanter presented in a purple velvet bag in 1939 would be viewed as anything but special. In the year 2000, Seagram's imploded. The company, <laughs> it's kind of a sad story because they were a stalwart of the spirits business, but for various reasons, they imploded. They bought amusement parks, they owned like Universal Studios, they bought record labels and all this stuff. They really got out of their lane, as we would say these days, and, and tried to overreach. But the business failed and all the stable of brands were sold off to other spirits conglomerates. 
Diageo ended up with Crown Royal, and they own it to this day. Crown Royal is so popular that more than 50 million Crown Royal bags are produced each year, and Diageo says the iconic purple bags are an enduring symbol of generosity. In 2019, Crown Royal globally sold 7.9 million 9-liter equivalent cases, but the USA is the number one market for Crown Royal by a wide margin. Nobody else competes. Sales in the U.S. in 2019 were 6.8 million of those cases, leaving scarcely more than a million point one cases for Canadian domestic consumption and export to the rest of the world. The USA simply loves Crown Royal, but it wasn't until 1964 that it was first sold south of the Canadian border. Beyond the deluxe original whiskey that I've been drinking, the blended Canadian whiskey, the brand has expanded to various other expressions, more uh, rare aged forms, as well as a series of flavors. I've mentioned they've got an apple flavored uh, blended Canadian whiskey. It's quite good. They've also got peach. Each of these seems to have gathered its own following. So now we can get to how it's made. Crown Royal is made in Manitoba, Canada, in the town of Gimli. Canadian whiskey, unlike American whiskey and particularly bourbon whiskey, isn't encumbered by strict regulations for mash bills, distilling methods, or even aging. The only real thing required is that the spirit be distilled from grain and aged at least three years in wood. Beyond that, there's a lot of wiggle room in Canadian whiskey. Crown Royal is a blend of 50 whiskeys, all distilled in Gimli. Grains used include rye, corn, and barley, 80% of which is said to be sourced from Manitoba and surrounding provinces. There are also five different mash bills or recipes for the types of grain used in distillation, and then 12 distillation columns to create the distillates. These distillates are then aged for varying amounts of time in either new or reused charred oaked barrels. And the reused barrels can be anything from ex-bourbon to Spanish sherry, cognac, or even Cabernet Sauvignon casks. And some of this variety may simply be due to the fact that Crown Royal has 1.5 million barrels aging on their five-acre site in dozens of warehouses. So there's a lot of wiggle room in the process, but blending, of course, is where the magic happens. Any blended product aims for repeatability and consistency batch to batch. With such a wide variety of inputs, the master blenders are able to create the signature smooth Crown Royal whiskey. And off to packaging it goes, with most of it being loaded on trucks headed for store shelves in the USA. For cocktails and consumption, drink Crown however you like it. It's good neat, as I've enjoyed it, nice on the rocks, or in a whiskey cocktail. Crown is smooth and it mixes well. It's referred to as very easy drinking. That sometimes can translate to boring for somebody that really likes bourbon or scotch or different expressions of whiskey. Crown Royal is super popular because it is nice to drink. It's a good price point, you know, so drink it as you like. No need for pomp or circumstance, despite its royal origins. So in summary, what do I think of Crown Royal? It's easy drinking. It's a standard Canadian whiskey. If you're going to have one bottle of Canadian whiskey in your bar, it should be Crown Royal. It's very popular for a reason. It's easy to drink, and it's got a really good story. The one thing about it, too, is the purple bag. There's such utility in the packaging of it. You know, 
eventually most of these 50 million bags they make every year probably get thrown away. But I would hazard to guess that a good portion of them are repurposed. You can do a lot of things with the little purple cloth bag with a drawstring. When I bartended, I ended up with dozens of them and just kind of had them. It was kind of neat. You can uh, use them for a stash bag. I know people that have made clothing out of them. You'll see, <laughs> you can get online and just, you'll go crazy looking at what people have done with Crown Royal bags. Of course, they've been emulated. There's other spirits brands that will sell the product now in a bag of their own, you know, and that that's nice, but really everybody knows that they're emulating Crown Royal. They invented it. Crown Royal's other expressions will come in their own bags. There's Crown Royal Black, comes in a black bag, so you could get to collecting more bags. But if you drink a fair amount of Crown Royal, you're going to end up with the purple bags. And that branding, that utility of packaging, the bag is going to outlast the whiskey by a long shot. So it, it's a brilliant move that uh, was created by Sam Bronfman in 1939. So that's it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platform. I'm also active on social media. Instagram is where I am most active, followed by Facebook, occasionally Twitter. I love hearing from my listeners, so if you have a suggestion for a spirit that you would like to know more about, please get in touch. And as always, thank you for listening. 